Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Ella Berman is the author of Before We Were Innocent. Ella grew up in both London and Los Angeles and worked at Sony Music before starting the clothing brand London Loves L.A., She lives in London with her husband, James, and their dog, Rocky. She is the author of two novels, The Comeback and Before We Were Innocent. Welcome, Ella. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Before We Were Innocent. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly so happy to be here. So I saw on your Instagram that you posted how much you love your cover, which I'm glad you said because this is like the most amazing, awesome cover. <laughs> so cool, Thank right? you. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's always slightly terrifying waiting for that email um, from my <laughs> editor with the options. But yeah, I sent over with my debut, I sent over like a 38-page PowerPoint presentation of, you know, just like loose cover inspiration ideas. And then this time I was like, I trust them. They've got this. <laughs> they can wow. do it. Yeah, I'm so thrilled. For people listening who aren't looking at the cover right now, it's a black and white photo of three girls like in bikinis, like running down the beach with some cliffs behind and then this beautiful pink all caps before we were innocent. And of course you have your read with Jenna Pick, the comeback little sticker on here. So congrats. Yes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay. So tell listeners what your book is about and how you came up with this, especially on the heels of your last book. Okay. So please bear with me because this is the first time talking about this Really? Book. Oh my yes. gosh. I'm so honored. Okay. You can try it as many times as you want. Okay. We'll give it a go. I'll give you a critique. We can, you know, we Thank can fine tune it together. <laughs> this sounds perfect. That's ideal. Okay. So before we were innocent, it tells the story of two best friends, Je- uh, Joni. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's 
Germany and Bess. There we go. Lies, thank you. We got there. And their lives are torn apart when their other best friend, Evangeline, dies tragically the summer after they graduate high school on their dream vacation in Greece. And so not only have they lost their friend, but the police think they're involved. And then the world's media turns their attention on them. And the girls' lives and choices and behavior is like viewed through the prism of the worst moment of their lives. And they're just basically left there and their lives are ripped apart like vultures. That was a good part. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I liked that part when you said ripped apart like vultures. That was a good line. Keep that in. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. Is there any way I can start again? This is Don't start again. This is amazing. This is so so sorry. You know why? No, you know why this is great? Because it's really hard to talk about a book. And it's particularly hard to talk about a novel that you've worked so hard on and that has twists and turns and all these things and a lot of layers and intricacies. And dual timelines. And dual timelines. Never know which one to start with. Right. So it's complicated because it's all, I mean, fiction is like this insane <laughs> like output of our brains, right? All these yeah. amazing twists and turns and to summarize it into a couple of sentences is near impossible. So I love that you're being open about how hard it is because <laughs> I was literally telling the authors in Zippy Books, I was like, here's, here's what I have to say about pitching. Every time I ask an author, like, what's your book about? They go like this. <sighs> okay. Yeah. <well. laughs> hard but I do it's very hard it's It's also hard if you if you write quite instinctively I think it's really tough as well because you're not thinking of it in terms of plot points it's more like a character's journey how it unfolds don't even tell me what it's about I don't even care and I read part of it Uh, it was fine (laughs) why don't we talk about where it came from so you had your last book and then what happened you decided to write a new book and so I had yes so the comeback came out in August 2020 And I ignored everyone's advice, which was to write my second book or at least start it before this one came out. And it meant that I essentially started writing it in March 2020, which obviously was a very complicated time for many reasons, not least because I was locked in my house like everyone else. So I started writing a book and I think the the one I started writing was a kind of reaction to everything that was going on and it was a real roller coaster of a plot and it had you know like the pharmaceutical industry the adult film world and it was very like plot heavy and I kind of was like skimming the surface of the characters and was like do you know what this is just what I need to write right now and then cut to eight months later I have two books that I've thrown out two versions oh, no. of this book like full <laughs> 100,000 words so I was starting from scratch and it was maybe the third lockdown in London and it was winter and it was just I was not in a good place and my mom had given me my teenage journals so I was reading them and I was just like really struck by how I guess how intense everything was and how critical everything felt at the time particularly my friendships and I just started kind of like no pressure just writing a few kind of scenes from the point of view of this character that came to me best And when the book opens, she is living this very isolated, small life in a cabin in the Salton Sea. And she basically, as the the book unfolds, you realize that she's, she's built her life this way because she doesn't want 
everything to be taken away from her again, which is what happened in the 2008 part of the story. So yeah, I just really wanted to write a book about friendship, all the ways that, you know, we test each other, especially at at that age when you're a teenager and all the ways we show our love. And yeah, it just sort of happened quite instinctively, which I know isn't that interesting to hear about, but with hindsight, it makes sense. It, It kind of incorporates so many subjects that I'm like fascinated by and have kind of been researching my entire life without realizing so I think I can like retroactively retrospectively um yeah (laughs) yeah talk about all the influences but at the time it just felt like very organic and just such a relief after this this other book where I'd honestly it was it was vaguely torturous trying to like put it all down on the page. Oh my gosh. Well, one of the things that the book raises immediately is how much of an allegiance do you have to old friends and what are you willing to do for those friends? Even if you know, it's probably not the right thing to do, but you do it anyway. I mean, I have a teenage daughter. She was literally just telling me about a very, not this obviously, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, a similar thing. A friend says something, do you do it because they ask and you care? I don't know. So even just something as simple as covering up for a location or what she's doing there, do you see them? Or one of the friends is in another relationship, right? So yeah. And someone goes missing right at the start. So you have to cover up and I don't know. It's like, what is the limitation on what you will do for people that you loved at one point? And do you always have to do that? Right? Yeah, definitely. And also, yeah, I I definitely think that. And I think it's really interesting what we look for in friends and like the gaps they fill in us and like often what you admire in them or what you hate most about them is stuff that you are either lacking in yourself or and I think that particularly for for Bess and Joni there's a pull there that despite the fact they haven't spoken in 10 years when um Joni turns up and asks for this favor in 2018 Bess is still drawn to her and there's a part where Joni tells her like you knew what you were getting into like you knew I wouldn't let you hide anymore and I think Bess doesn't realize this at the time or you know it's not on a conscious level but she knows that she can't yeah hide from herself around Joni because Joni will pull that out of her and that's what she's always done for better or for worse. I think it's particularly at this age, right, that I think, you know, 15 to 25, let's say, where Mm. you really are searching for what is missing. You know, I feel like at this age, like I'm much older than you, I'm like 46. Like I'm not looking for friends to fill voids anymore. Now it's like, let's go and talk. And, you know, it's very different. But, you know, all of that. And before you end up in your committed relationship for life, if that's what you end up doing, right? You you look to the friends for all of that, all of those needs and all, all to fill in all of those holes. So anyway, yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. And it was so, it was, yeah, it was so interesting exploring it and yeah, the nuances of this friendship and just, yeah, all the ways they're just constantly testing each other like will you love me if I do this and what about this and I guess when you're a teenager you're doing that with everyone aren't you your parents you're just pushing everything to the limit so this this vacation that the girls go on in Greece it's sort of like a pressure cooker for for all of that behavior and all their insecurities and and also fears for the future because you know at that point when you've been so close to people and you're graduating you know that a change is coming and you won't your friendship won't be the same again. It's just, yeah, it's just all the insecurities. Yeah. Come to a, come to a head really. 
So take me back a little bit to what you said was the agony of writing your first book and how you got into writing books to begin with. Like, tell me, just go back quickly and describe like how you grew up and when you wanted to start writing and then how you got to that first book. Okay. So I I think like most other writers, I was a real bookworm. I was always reading like in the car. My parents, you know, would take me shopping. I'd sit under a rack of clothes reading a book. They constantly were losing me because I was just (laughs) hiding out. And I told my best friend when I was four that I was going to be a writer. It's like one of the first things I told her. And then I guess just sort of life got in the way and I became, you know, more interested in I was still always reading but I wasn't writing like friendships in school and you know who I was going to be and boys and I just I got very distracted but I also think that I think maybe I instinctively knew that I wasn't quite ready to write what I wanted to write if that Mm -hmm. makes sense yep so I I think because I was so sure I still always told people I'm going to write a book one day. I'm going to be an author. And I think it's so strange, but I think because I was so convinced of that, it was quite reassuring. I didn't actually, it's like the reverse of how a lot of people feel. I think I didn't feel pressure just because I knew I would eventually do that. And I just, I just was so certain, but it wasn't until my late twenties when I actually sat down and started doing it. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, grown-ups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery. Perfect for the whole family. Join the cat in the hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. So what was your day job at the time? Like, what did you do before then? So I went to university, studied psychology, uh, left, worked in marketing in the music industry. So I worked at Sony Music for about six years five or six years straight out of university. 
Then at the same time, I set up a clothing company, a vintage, like selling clothes from Los Angeles that we brought back to the UK. My sister and I set it up and we sold them online and did pop-up stores and events and like collaborations. So I was doing that. And then once I decided I wanted to write and that was what I was doing, I dipped up some part-time work doing like styling work at ASOS and at Amazon for a bit. And I was a like best in the book. I was a moderator on a dating app. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I just did like bits and bobs to support myself while I was writing. But yeah, I can't explain it. I didn't ever feel pressure just because I just knew I was going to do it. Sounds so weird. And I would be doing it even if people weren't reading it. And now I can't believe I went so long without writing just because it's honestly the calmest I am. Like it's like feels like therapy. It's just the this flow state that I'm in and obviously there's a lot around it that's very stressful and I'm trying to break a story or yeah it is you know inherently hard but it's the happiest I am is when I'm writing so I'm just yeah very pleased I found it but you know it's funny because talking about writing or giving advice on it just because I've done this twice once vaguely successfully we don't even know about this one so I feel funny talking about my process or the craft because I'm like I'm still learning I'm figuring it out but it's just yeah I'm very much enjoying it that's amazing I mean that's really <laughs> what everybody says you have to enjoy the process yeah this whole publishing thing is so unpredictable so yeah definitely so if you don't love writing making everything a lot harder <laughs> yeah great <laughs> Thank so wonderful. You. So then what was it like when you had your first book come out in the pandemic and all of that? What was that whole experience like? Yeah, well, I, d- I think because I didn't have anything to compare it to, mm-hmm. it just felt like that's just how it goes. I think it was a little tougher because my book deal is in the US and I live in London. Mm. So I couldn't see it in any stores. I didn't see it in a bookstore for 15 months because the wow. travel corridor oh my didn't open up yeah until November I think October the next year so it felt slightly like I was sort of living through my phone which is I guess what a lot of us do now anyway but I knew stuff was happening but I just couldn't be there for it and it was August so things were opening up a little more depending on where you were I had like a fun little outdoor party with my friends but I didn't you know there were no books to sell or anything so (laughs) it was um it was yeah it was it was strange but I think I had some great profile you know the read the Jenna thing was amazing just having her kind of championing the book for a debut coming out in the pandemic year like I just yeah it was a a real blessing and I'm so grateful for that because I know it was hard Uh, a lot of people were reading I mean as you know but I think a lot of people were kind of reading books from authors that they knew and loved. And it wasn't so much a time of discovery, perhaps, because, you know, there weren't the bookshops to sort of walk into. So, yeah, I feel really grateful how it went, all things considered. But it did feel it wasn't what I dreamed of, but, (laughs) you know, it could have been a lot worse. (laughs) And this time I'm just so excited to, you know, be in, in Los Angeles and New York and just be able to walk in and see my book and talk to people. I didn't sign a book for, for 15 months. I'd signed like two of my friends' books and that was it. So yeah, I think it, it feels it feels like a different version of myself, like a little avatar had that experience. And yeah, I'm excited to experience it in real life as well. 
Wow. Well, you deserve it. it it'll be great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so do you live in London now? Yeah, I live in London. Yeah. Yeah. But you get to tour all the way. Yeah. I've lived in London. I basically lived in LA when I was very young with my family. And then again for a year when I was older, but I've lived in London other than that. And I find, I think because I've lived here for so long, I don't feel like that inspired by it. So the fact that I often write about Los Angeles is because I do feel inspired when I'm there, like more inspired when I'm there. So I often go there for writing trips. And then the fact that I got a book deal in New York, it means that, yeah, I have that connection. I I probably could write a story set in London. And I don't know if it's the slight outsider's perspective. And I always write generally so far my two books I've written about outsiders you know for whatever reason that they don't feel like they truly belong in their environment so I think maybe that helps yeah setting it somewhere where I don't actually live and haven't for a while yeah it's, it's okay you don't ever have to write a book based in London if you don't want yeah thank good. <laughs> thanks <Ify. laughs> I'll try one day we'll see no no it's all good I've given you enough you're excused <laughs> Uh, that's funny. That's really funny. Yeah. I feel like I can't do any creative writing in this office. Like this is my work. Like I can never be creative. I don't know. So yeah, I get no, what I you're saying. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I have that, but with a whole country. <laughs> yeah. Even if I like go in another room, I'm like, and I face a different direction or something, I'm like, okay. But in here, I'm just like, yeah, this is a totally different space. <laughs> so I get it. Okay. So what's next? Do you have another book? dare I ask? Yes. So at the moment I'm adapting the comeback for film. So I'm writing the screenplay. That's exciting. Yeah. Which is great. I love learning like a whole new craft. It's incredible. Anyone that says it's easy is absolutely bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) One of the hardest things I've ever done, but I'm loving every second of it. And then, uh, yeah, I'm working my third book as well, which is a bit different. It's set in the sixties and seventies in Hollywood and it's about two female writers and their sort of friendship and rivalry and it's set over 10 years so yeah it's a little more sprawling it's less of a dual timeline thing as a yeah I'm really enjoying it it's so fun and it the doing research was amazing and yeah it's very cool and it's just different do you know the author Jane Green have your paths crossed at all no, I do. I know of, I know who she is, but I've never, yeah, I've never met her. I, I want to connect you. I feel like she'll like adopt you. You're like, oh, I'd love that. I feel like, I just, I feel like you guys need to meet and do an event oh. or something. Or, I don't know. That would be wonderful. I'll, I'll connect you. I'll get your email or something from your publicist and I'll connect you. Thank too. you so much. I really appreciate that. I do feel that like, I think because being in London and with the, with the US book deal, I feel a bit like I've sort of missed that connecting with other authors because like on Instagram, I speak to a few and like everyone's been very supportive, but yeah, I'd love to, you know, go for a coffee with people, but I need to, I need to get better at reaching out here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's based here now, but anyway, I should stop talking about it. We'll her. figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out. <laughs> Amazing. So when you're not writing, are you still into the whole fashion stuff that you had originally been into with like importing clothes? I mean, what do you, what do you like to do when you're not doing all this work stuff? <laughs> that is a very good question. <laughs> yeah, I still have the online company with my sister. It's more of a 
passion of ours now than a job, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like traveling a lot. This book's set in Malibu, the Greek islands and the Salton Sea. Yeah, I love traveling with my husband. I'm obsessed with my dog. He's 10 years old. He's a 100% angel. So Aww. we go on lots of walks in Hampstead Heath and get coffees and meet friends. I'm trying to pick French back up. Oh. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking to do that. And I've just started doing ballet classes. Can you tell that I realized I had no hobbies at the end of 22? <laughs> I was suddenly like, wait, hold on, I don't have a single hobby that isn't writing or reading related. So yeah, so French ballet and I think that's it for now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Good for mm. you. Thank you. I mean, a lot of people realize they have no hobbies and then they're just like, ah, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, like just while I have time, I thought it may as well. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, Thank you. Bonne chance, as they say. Oh, merci. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're fluent. Yeah, not exactly. This is my third grade French. All right. Well, this is a random question. If there's if there's an author in the world that you would like love to meet or get advice from or you idolize or anything, who is that? If you have anybody. Alive? Sure. I would say, do you know what? I love Curtis Sittenfeld. And Mm -hmm. I do think that Prep was maybe the book that got me back into writing. Interesting. Prep was great. Yes. It was just how driven by character it was, if that makes sense. And just Mm -hmm. the incredible observations that just winded me I was like if I could write one sentence that wins someone just in its like accuracy universal accuracy I'm I'm happy and then since then I just yeah I guess followed her career and it is I think it's because her books aren't that reliant on hooks or plot Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense they're they're more about the characters and the relationships and I think that's the side of writing that comes a lot easier to me and the plot side of things I try and make sure that it's always driven by the character and I can as opposed to the other way around and I can see that in her writing and then not alive Eve Babbitt's I'm obsessed what a queen I think she'd hate me because she's she, she was <laughs> she was so fun and carefree and she'd be like what's wrong with you but I would really admire her <laughs> from afar <laughs> amazing I love it well Ella you survived the podcast and Thank all you. of that <laughs> I will be rooting for you and wishing you luck when this book launches before we were innocent and I'm just so excited to know you like, good luck. Thank I you so much. I really appreciate it. And good luck with the bookstore opening Thank and you. the book Thank release. You. I'm so excited for everything you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Zibby. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K, now on KO. 